BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia, a production of iHeartRadio. We sold our loft in Chicago, moved into an RV, and now we're traveling the country full-time with our dog, Finn, exploring America's national parks. (laughs) And today we're talking about ecology with our show's researcher, Jessalyn Shields. Why don't you introduce yourself and what you do? Hi, you guys. I'm happy to be here today. I am a freelance science writer. I work a lot for How Stuff Works, and I am the researcher for your show. I love it. (laughs) And you've been adding such a wonderful segment about wildlife and ecology and really helping us learn and understand the nuances that each national park is facing um, when it comes to that, the importance of each of those ecosystems and the wildlife. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating stuff, and I love diving into it with you guys. So we have to start off. What are some of the things that ecologists study? Well, um, it depends on the ecologist that you ask. Um, (laughs) Ecologists would probably say they study the interaction of organisms with their environment. But the truth is, this is such a huge, complicated thing to focus on that most ecologists look at ecology through a specific lens. Oh, like a population ecologist. That's exactly right. Um, Population ecologists study the population of a single organism, so how they're distributed over an ecosystem, what factors contribute to a population growing or shrinking, um, why the organism does what it does. So that could be an elk or it could be a mushroom. Interesting. Um, Can you give us another example of this? Um, Yeah. For instance, um, a salmon dies after it reproduces. So when you're studying all the salmon and what they're doing together, a population ecologist would do that. Um, Or, you know, there might be a huge explosion of mosquitoes in a certain place, and population ecologists would study that too. Wow. So these are the type of questions that population ecologists try to answer. 
That's right. And actually, there is one step up from a population, which is a community. So community ecologists look at how different organisms within an ecosystem interact. So this would be like how the wolves in Yellowstone suddenly changed the interactions between the other animals and plants in the ecosystem. Totally. That's a great example. Yeah, so the existence of top predators that hunt in packs change the interaction of all the other organisms in the ecosystem. So, for example, you get elk acting differently when you introduce wolves. Um, So that means that riverside willows grow bigger, which attracts beavers because they make these dams, which makes more habitat for otters and fish and wading birds. Um, And the wolves go after coyotes, and coyotes sort of... um, compete with things like hawks and foxes, so they do their thing. Yeah, so basically community ecologists are interested in why and how these behaviors affect those interactions. Sure, yeah, that's, and, you know, how the interactions between, like, the plants and the mycorrhizae in the soil, everything, um, how they all interact and why. Wow. Yeah. Another thing I find fascinating is ecosystem ecology and how it takes all that population and community ecology can teach us and adds a layer of non-living things like weather, soil chemistry, how energy flows. Yes. So an ecosystem is an area that houses a specific set of organisms and also non-living elements like, you know, dirt (laughs) and water (laughs) that work together to create its own special thing, whether it be what you'd find in the Mojave Desert or among the giant sequoias. So the borders that contain an ecosystem are really blurry, though, and they are mostly defined by humans. So organisms find little places to live and work even in the borders of ecosystems. Um, Like in a tide pool on the beach, it's in the water, and it's not really that much like the forest that's just 10 meters away, but they still affect each other. Um, they bleed into each other more than you might think. Also, because ecosystem science takes into consideration abiotic or non-living stuff that impacts the system, ecologists who study them often examine how ecosystems are changing due to things like climate change or um, how we change the use of the land, like a forest that turned into an agricultural field, for instance. Mm. Right. So ecologists study populations of organisms, communities of organisms, and ecosystems, which include both living and non-living things interacting in a particular place. Is the ecosystem the largest unit of ecology? If ecosystems bleed into each other, it seems like there might be even bigger systems to study. That's a great question. Um, Yes. One thing the science of ecology teaches us is that there is no disconnecting one thing from another thing on this whole planet. So if we use our current climate situation as an example, decisions made by one nation state regarding something like coal-fired power plants can affect both living and non-living things thousands of miles across the ocean in really big ways. So ecologists talk about two other levels or, or units of space and interaction, right? Yeah. So they talk about the bi- an, a biome, which is confused with an ecosystem a lot of times. It's just a general term to describe habitat type where organisms and their environment interact in generally the same way, but it's not specific to any one place on the globe. Um, for instance, a desert is always going to have plenty of of extreme temperature fluctuations and not much water. 
and not very many large plants. So the organisms in a desert are going to be adapted to those conditions. And there's a good chance they've evolved to act and look look like organisms in other desert biomes all over the world. So like animals that we talked about earlier in the season, that live exclusively in caves, who are generally small, with slow metabolisms, and sightless, but with good hearing, touch, and smell. Yes, they got that way because their surroundings required them to evolve in this direction. Another example is, like, in North America, we have that North American kangaroo rat, which um, is in Arches National Park. Um, So it evolved under the same or similar conditions to this little mouse in Australia called the Australian hopping mouse in the outback. Oh, yeah. I'd, I really wish we saw one of those in Arches. That would have been such a great thing to, that would to been see. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're really, they're really adorable. Um, and so the, the, there's also this little jumping rodent in North Africa and Asia and the Middle East called the Jaroba, and it's very, very similar to those. And so they, you know, evolved similar ways of being through just living in similar types of places. Oh, that's really fascinating. So what would be the next level up from a biome? Well, basically it's Earth. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. That's easy. one level up from there, it's the last level that ecologists concern themselves with, and it's called the biosphere, which is Earth. Um, mm-hmm. It's atmosphere, the geology, and everything that hangs out on this planet. Um, although Earth isn't, like, entirely a closed system, yeah, because my beloved Jurassic Park dinosaurs were wiped out by a meteorite. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not over it. <laughs> Condolences. <laughs> um, exactly. And so a lot of water got here to our planet um, through just being brought here by asteroids when the planet was being formed. Um, the biosphere, like an ecosystem, has to draw a sort of artificial boundary a- around what we call this planet. Um, and that's what ecologists got. We've got this planet, and so that's what that's what they call the biosphere. Huh. So what are some aspects of an ecosystem or a biome uh, that make it is what it is? It seems like deserts end up with strangely, strangely familiar features like animals and plants, uh, regardless of where they are in the world. Ecology seems pretty complicated, but can you boil it down to a couple elements that like make an ecosystem what it is? That's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're right. Ecology is difficult to study because everything you look at within the discipline of ecology is so tangled up and interconnected and everything's affecting everything else. There are biotic factors that decide what specific place is going to be like. So um, what kind of predators hang out, what kind of animals and plants provide competition or some sort of benefit for each other like food or shelter. Wow. So these biotic factors are part of what make up who can live and survive there. Yes. Um, And then there's also abiotic factors, like non-living things, which include temperature, moisture, sunlight, elevation. So these are the elements that have nothing to do with organisms in the ecosystem. Right. Um, But they influence them just as much as living things do. And on top of that, sometimes it's even hard to know where one organism ends and the other begins or where an organism ends and the environment begins. Um, But yeah, I think you can generalize very broadly and say there are two elements that drive ecology that make an ecosystem what it is. Can you guess what they are? Hmm. No, but that's why we wanted you on, to help help (laughs) us with this. (laughs) Exactly. And I can't wait to get to this after a really quick short break.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today we're talking with our researcher, Jesslyn Shields, about ecology. So right before the break, you asked us what two elements drive ecology. You left us stumped because we're trying to retain this and really, really pack it in. Well, I'm going to give you a hint, and I bet you're going to guess what they are in like the next 15 seconds. Oh, perfect. Let's take a really extreme place like the Mojave Desert, where Death Valley National Park is. Have you ever driven through Death Valley? Um, we haven't no. driven through Death, uh, Death Valley, but my pre-deployment training took place in 29 Palms in California, also known as the Stumps. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well, what do you think of when you think of 29 Palms or Death Valley National Park? Hot. Exactly. You basically just cracked half the ecology code. So temperature? Right. Um, because animals and plants have biological requirements, mostly having to do with the enzymes that act as catalysts that make their bodies work, never underestimate the power of chemistry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, these enzymes only work within a set range of temperatures. So the chemical reactions that make an American pica's body work crap out like when the temperature gets above 75 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Um, other animals like grizzly bears in Yellowstone don't have internal chemistry that functions that well in the cold. So they pack on the pounds during the summer to insulate them, and then they find a nice warm place to hibernate over the winter. Hmm. Um, so you'll notice that most of the biodiversity in the world, so biodiversity mean, means um, that most of the different types of living things on this planet and live in one place, which um, is the tropical places on the equator. And that's because the tropics stay nice and warm. It's a good temperature for most plant and ana- animal enzymes to function. Wow. What do you think the other element that drives an ecosystem is? Well, if we're talking about a desert like Death Valley, which is really hot, but it's also really dry. That's exactly right. Water and temperature are the two main things that decide what type of ecosystem is going to be in a particular place. Um, So the water situation also has to do with chemistry, actually, because plants are at the base of basically every food chain on the entire planet. And because plants require both sunlight and water to photosynthesize. That's where they make their own food. Exactly. Um, See, I paid attention in school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, animals need water to make ATP, um, and so do plants. Um, ATP is an enzyme found in all living things that carries energy around in our cells. So in biomes with very little water, like the desert and the tundra, the plants will be smaller and fewer and farther between. Um, and as a result, so will the animals. So what about in like rainforest-type environments, like Olympic National Park? Well, Olympic National Park is a temperate rainforest. Um, so you're going to have like lower temperatures than you would like in the Amazon rainforest. Okay. So the Amazon is real warm. And um, Olympic National Park has like a whole, like plenty of water. So oh, yeah. um, a lot of animals and plants and fungi and all kinds of things are going to want to live there, but not quite as many as, like, around the equator. Gotcha. Um, There's not enough room in the tropical rainforests for all the animals and plants to live there. So organisms adapt to the place where there's some space open. And the crazy thing about this planet is there's literally something living in almost every nook and cranny on this planet. Um, I think that there's one place that there was a paper that just came out that there is a geothermal spring in Ethiopia that they couldn't find anything, not even little extremophile microorganisms. Um, If you think about the way that our planet, life on the planet evolved, like it was a pretty crappy place to live for a really long time. So, you know, like things are good at living all sorts of places, <laughs> like even in Yellowstone, those like crazy, um, in that crazy volcanic environment. It's just like things are living everywhere. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, and speaking of, you'll notice when you look at a globe that three-fourths of the planet is covered with salty water. Um, what? You, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't want to live there, but some things do. Um, since water availability is an issue in the ocean, marine biomes differ in things like temperature, pressure, oxygen content, light availability, all kinds of things like that. Um, but water's not generally a problem for them. Wow. Um, so basically, that's ecology. Oh. Insert shrugging emoji from me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to go over. I mean, wh- that was just like a, what a whirlwind of knowledge and excitement. Um, yeah, for sure. We went over so many amazing lessons. And this is just ecology 101. 
Yeah, this is just the beginning. You've been listening to Parklandia, a show about national parks. Parklandia is a production of iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Haziotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Our executive producer is Christopher Haziotis. Our researcher is Jesslyn Shields. A special thanks goes out to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media as well. Check out our photos from our travels on Instagram at Parklandia Pod and join in on the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And as always, thank you for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.